What is up, everybody? It's Friday. You know what that means. It's another episode of Curveballs and Share Shots. My name is Brandon Tanguma. Sitting electronically more than six feet away from me is my lovely and esteemed co-host, Dominic Hobson. Dominic, we were going to get on here, and I was going to gas you up because something magical happened a few days ago. If you guys have listened to the podcast, you know Dominic has been on a long and hard-fought journey about getting his first crown in Fall Guys. And then yesterday, it just all came crashing down, Dominic. Would you like to let the people in on what has happened? It's been a roller coaster of emotions these last few days for you. I, I, wait, I'm actually really confused. I mean, it came crashing down. What do you mean it came crashing down? Well, the studio audience, you know, very popular figure in our, in our circle. You guys had your 10 year anniversary yesterday, and somebody forgot. Okay, let, okay, okay. Let 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 me explain. I Yes, I forgot. But I mean, like you know, she she is a forgiving, compassionate, very strong human being. And you know, it... I haven't forgiven you. Let let let's move on from the topic. I got a crown. I'm a fucking champion, and America's the greatest country of all time. Anyways, while Dominic continues to rub the studio audience feet, because that is apparently the punishment, even though there probably be more punishments yet to come for the next 10 years, we'll keep you up to date on that. Usually we talk about baseball news, which we actually have a decent amount of baseball news, but we're going to kick it off with basketball because it finally happened. Everybody, James Harden has finally been traded. It's the place we all thought it was going to be in the first place. He has been traded to the Brooklyn Nets. It all just popped off, just not exactly out of nowhere, but just once one domino fell, then all the dominoes fell. It was a gigantic trade, including a bunch of different names. Dominic, just your initial thoughts. We're going to run down you know, all the different teams and everything that happened within the trade, but your initial thoughts, James Harden finally getting dealt and going to Brooklyn. When I first found out, I was kind of, you know, wondering who the Nets traded. So I was like, okay, it's not a one for one. Nets probably gave up a lot of people. But then when I finally did the little dig and I saw exactly everything that was in the middle of this deal, I was actually kind of like, holy crap. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces here. Um, Harden to the Nets, I definitely think it helps him. But you got to remember, Harden for the past, what? six seven seasons has been the number one player on the team now you're playing with kevin durant who is one of the greatest players of all time and you have kyrie Irving, who's you know maybe he's making some mistakes lately maybe you know you know off off court issues but you know you still can't deny how how kyrie is great at being a point guard so when it comes to um this whole deal i think it's a great deal I think the Nets really struck gold, but you got to see how hard him plays. 
Well, before the trade actually went through, we were going to just talk about Kyrie and all the things that have gone on. He hasn't been with the team for a long, long time. He is scheduled to play on Saturday. He got in trouble because of COVID protocols. He was seen at a party, maskless, and all those other shenanigans that have happened. And we just don't exactly know what's going on with Kyrie. And apparently some people in the Nets organization don't exactly know what's going on with Kyrie. So I kind of see this James Harden trade as a very, very, very expensive insurance policy for uh, Kyrie. And Kyrie's going to have to, uh, you know, give up some of his salary because of all the time he's missed. And now we have like a legit big three. We have some big twos, but I think this is like the big, big three in the NBA. I mean, I, I, Dominic, Kenny, your just thoughts on the Kyrie situation. And do you think the James Harden situation, like James Harden coming in should help Kyrie? Or do you think it's going to like alienate even more? Because we don't exactly know what's going on. I kind of equate it to like the AB thing that happened a few years ago to where he just kind of spiraled out of control. I'm not saying, you know, Kyrie is spiraling like that, but at least with AB, like you can kind of maybe say it's a concussion thing. We know Kyrie has talked about mental illness and, you know, mental, you know, mental stuff that's gone on with him. You know, I sympathize if he's going through some things, but I mean, you got a next man up, I guess, with, with James Harden. I mean, it, to, to me, if I had, you know, if, if I'm playing at a high caliber, I'm playing on a team that is definitely playoff bound, maybe even championship bound, and you bring in an all-star point guard like James Harden, and I have some issues going on. I think I would probably be a little. I it, honestly, my mentality would be, well, fuck. I don't give a shit. Then if they want to bring this dude in and they want to cut money, fuck them. And then I'll just do whatever I want, or I'll fucking request a trade or something like that. But I think Kyrie, you know, Kyrie and KD have been talking for such a long time. You know, when KD was on the Warriors trying to get together him and uh, with um uh. But what's what's Jordan's for whatever Jordan too whatever his name is I don't remember his fucking first name right now. The hell are you talking about? Who's the fucking center? DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. Um, so there I know they, they they they've been trying to get together and then they find everyone's finally healthy. Everybody's fucking trying to play and then now Kyrie's doing these things. It's like, you know, it, if it is a mental thing, like like you said, you know, we don't want to sit here and 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 you know, say anything and mascot agrees with me, but I think this is really going to hurt Kyrie. It's going to push him over the edge and you're not going to see him play and may retire. I don't, I don't think he'll retire, but he's definitely going to go to another team and probably finish off his career somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, we don't exactly know what's going down with Kyrie. As I said, supposed to play Saturday. So hopefully we can see all three of them together. And I definitely do think this is a championship or bust type of situation because at least with all the big threes we've seen in the past, they've all at least made it to the finals. And if they get bounced in like the second round or in the uh, whatever conference finals, then it's definitely not a good look for them, especially because they have to, you know, send out so many trade or so many picks. And Katie doesn't have too much to prove. I mean, he won his ring with the Warriors. Kyrie did his thing with the Cavaliers. I think James Hart really, you know, after all the things that went down in Houston, and I think because I watched the the TNT guys talk about it, Shaq kind of said it perfectly. You know, he, Houston just did everything for James Harden, and it still wasn't enough. So now he goes to, you know, Brooklyn. And now that he has like, quote unquote, the perfect situation with three, with two of like the top 
10 best players in the world. And if you still can't get the job done that way, I know there's going to be issues and question marks of how that offense will be run and defense and everything of that nature. But it's exciting to see all three of those guys play together and hopefully everything works out. But I think Kyrie definitely is that big question mark. Now, now you're saying perfect scenario. He needs to get it done. And, you know, they might get bounced. What team do you see in the East that would be possibly the biggest um, threat to the Nets? Well, we kind of went through the uh, the lineup last year or last week. I mean, the Sixers, they're, they're playing good. The Heat, they're kind of doing their own thing. You got Giannis on the Bucks, just the probably the best player in the world. But, I mean, it's just a we don't know how that team is going to function. There's just so many question marks. We, you know, we can't just crown them. I mean, I know we do, we do this every year when we do like season previews, we're going to pick our champion before you've seen any of them play. But we, I mean, at least, I mean, KD and James, they play together. So at least we have something like that, but then also we've seen James Harden and Russell Westbrook play together in OKC. They reunite in Houston and that didn't exactly work out. So you can't exactly like put the OKC past into what's going on right now. And I think it will work out. I think they will get the job if Kyrie plays. I think that's definitely the big uh, key scenario, but there's only one basketball in 24 seconds to get a point. So how exactly does that offense run? We shall see. So now let's uh, just run down the entire trade. Uh, the Rockets definitely are the big winners in this uh, in this scenario. They get Victor Oladipo from the Pacers, uh, Dante Exum, Roddy and Cursus, whatever his name is, and, Three Brooklyn first-round picks, uh, 2022, 24, and 26. They also get Milwaukee's first unprotected 2022 pick. And then they get four uh, first-round swaps with Brooklyn, 2021, 23, 25, and 27. And then uh, so just the Rockets get a whole haul of people putting in Victor Oladipo. I think that is also a positive for them. I know I think Mr. X asked us either last week or the week before with John Wall and Boogie being together. It seems like they have some chemistry. They like playing with each other. I know uh, Boogie really had some harsh things to say about James Harden uh, right before he got traded. So now with Victor Oladipo, he seems to be you know a good team chemistry type of guy. Do you see the Rockets doing anything this season, especially since they have so many picks going into the next five years? Do you see the Rockets can maybe finally get over the hump? I'm, if, if you're asking for me for this season in particular, you know. I mean, I do see them making playoffs, but I don't see them being a big name in the West, and especially with the Lakers and Clippers, I don't see them being that team that's going to make it to the finals. But in the, incoming, in the incoming seasons, upcoming seasons, yes, I definitely – if you if they make the right picks, and not to mention there's other trades that can go down, other free agent signings and trades and everything like that, Rockets, I – if, you know – if they play it smart, you, they should be a champ, championship material team in the next few years. I mean, the only thing to kind of see is like it's Brooklyn's first round picks. And we think Brooklyn is going to be a good team for the foreseeable future. So how those picks aren't like super valuable, like if mid, I mean, probably like a 20 plus pick and in the NBA draft, like, yeah, you could hit, but you're not going to get like that superstar player that maybe you're trying to fill the void of James Harden. You never know. It's, it's a crapshoot, but we shall see. So uh, the Nets, that 
All they got was James Harden. They gave up all that just to get James Harden. Then the Pacers get Karis LeVert and a second rounder, and the Cavs get Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince. We don't have to go through the other names and the other things in that trade. But uh, any any lasting thoughts on the uh, – well, maybe just like kind of the overall picture of James Harden. We're definitely seeing in the NBA that if a player wants out, they will get out. I mean, it, it's it's – Great for Harden, great for Houston. I'm hoping it's great for all the other teams involved, but, you know, depending on how James clicks with everyone, you know, it's been a while since Harden and Durant have actually played a season together. So you don't know if they're going to still be able to have the chemistry there. You don't know how he's going to gel with all the other teams. And maybe some players have a certain feeling towards him because of how the way he was acting. At least in Kevin Durant's situation, when he went from the Thunder to the Warriors and then even from the Warriors to the Nets, there was none of this, I want out, fuck this shit, bullshit, I'm not going to play, I'm, I'm upset, whatever is going on. But, you know, maybe some people have some issues towards that, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see, just like you say, wait and see, see how they play, and we'll make our decisions and opinions known. Yeah, the, the NBA definitely has the most power for the players and I, I mean for the most part i think the players are happy whether i like the superstar players are happy where they i mean we see anthony davis he wanted to go to the lakers he got to go to the lakers and even on the houston side of things as you said i mean even though they didn't have very much leverage because everyone just knew james wanted to leave he's a hot commodity and he's a talented player and he no matter if he wants to be there or not he still demands a hefty price tag if you want to get him speaking of some not so hefty price tag we're going to move on to the world of baseball. We're going to go chronological here with the moves uh, that happened in the past week. We got Kyle Schwarber. He was uh, cut from the, the Cubs, not the Bears. Mental note on that one. And he has signed with the Washington Nationals. Now, we talked about him being cut a few weeks ago, kind of talk about his upside and you know, falling with the Nationals, I think this is a good spot. He's kind of an outfielder. Still exactly don't know what the situation is with the universal DH. It's being uh, pro- not proposed, but it's still kind of being negotiated on. But uh, with Schwarber, he has like a high upside, I guess, but he also has a really low floor. And I think for the price tag, I don't have it exactly in front of me, but he didn't sign for too much. So I think with the Washington Nationals and with Howie Kendrick's leaving, you know, you still need to find a void kind of in that corner outfield, maybe first base. It's a fine fit, I guess. Now, now you, you don't sound too sold. Where What would be an, a, your destination for him? If you could put him on any team, where would you think he would fit better? It's not exactly a fit thing. It's just the player. I don't have confidence in him. You know, if we go back to 2016 and the World Series and kind of around that time where he was, you know, a hot commodity and he was, you know, hitting hitting bombs and doing doing his thing, hitting some shore bombs, that's one thing. But he has kind of fallen off. He's not very efficient at the plate. You know, a lot of strikeouts, not as many home runs as you would like if he's going to get out that much. So, it, I mean, he can fit like anywhere. I mean, we kind of t- when I talked about it, I was like, you know, for the amount of money he's probably going to get. I think he's worth a flyer on these kind of bigger market teams that have a little bit extra cash to, I mean, they're all kind of just crying poor at this point, but if you're willing to take a flyer, the nationals had a disappointing season last year, maybe something clicks with him and he can be a a good value for this season. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can plug him in some, I mean, I think maybe he's better as a DH. So maybe put him on an American league team 
where you don't have to worry about him being a defensive liability, but that's no guarantee that he's going to do his, he's going to do a good job hitting the ball either. So this is when you talk Dominic. Oh, sorry. I, I, I usually you go like, okay, you know, but no, I mean, I, but I kind of do agree with you. I mean, he, he kind of fell off a little bit last year. I think the nationals are fine, but I definitely don't really see him at coming unless he has some fucking comeback year and he's fucking, he hits a crap ton of bombs. I I don't really see him really being that, you know, that player that he was, like you said, back in 2016 or something like that. So um, I definitely would honestly see him in the few next few years, probably not being signed anymore and probably retiring. You heard it here first folks. Kyle Schwarber is going to be out of the league in the next two years according to Dominic. Now, uh, probably the the biggest news of the week thus far in Major League Baseball, we have Liam Hendricks. He uh, has signed with the Chicago White Sox, and he is now the highest paid reliever in history. Hendricks coming off of his best season ever last year, had a very productive season in 2019 as well with our Oakland athletics and he signs with the White Sox, the White Sox, they made the playoff run. You know, they got bounced by the A's, but we saw that they had the lineup, but the bullpen, they just weren't exactly able to compete with uh, that stable that the A's got. And so now they're poaching one of those guys. And then the White Sox and the Padres are kind of the two teams we're seeing right now in the, in the uh, off season that are really starting to spend money. And they're the young upcoming teams that I liked last year. And now they're making the moves to kind of make it to that next level. So, but we, we've, how many times have, have we say, said and seen teams where, you know, they spend all this money and they get this person and this person, and they, we think they're going to fucking go and just be this fucking all, uh, all-star world series, just crazy maniac team. I mean, the Yankees, they, I, I thought they would have had it the bet would have won in the past two years, but they haven't. So, I'm I'm not I'm I'm still not 100 percent sold on the Padres or the White Sox getting. I mean, I definitely they're getting the playoffs, but I don't see them being World Series bound. Yeah, I mean, I think I have more confidence in the Padres than the White Sox, mainly because I think the American League is a little more stacked than the national league. And I love Liam Hendricks. You know, he's a great guy over here at the A's, you know, great personality, great player, but the reliever position, especially the closer position can be very volatile. And he, he proved himself these last two years. You could say some, some, uh, a sneaky or a suspicious little uptick in velocity and everything uh, since he joined the A's. But I mean, you just never know, especially because he had, he had those two good years. He was kind of like an average pitcher before then so it there is a, a possibility he could just fall off the face of the earth and he's de- and especially since he dealt so much money i mean that could be a very big liability i mean even with kenley jansen like we saw with the dodgers you know he kind of got the job done he was good enough but he also was kind of like forced in that situation to where you know he's our guy we're paying him all this money we're going to kind of grit our teeth and put him out there and we're kind of hoping that he gets the save even though we're not too confident and then even Blake Trinan, like Blake Trinan fell off a cliff a couple years ago with the A's and he got his shit back. He got re-signed and he kind of took over as the closer kind of for the Dodgers at the World Series because Kenley Jansen wasn't doing so hot. And I mean, that that's pretty much the only thing that 
you know, if I was a manager, GM, owner, whatever, yeah, that signing someone like Hendricks, I mean, yeah, you have a great season last year and the season before that you did pretty good. But I to to be the highest paid reliever of all time, I mean, I I mean, do, let me ask you, do you think he was worth all that money or do you think he it could have been a little less? So this is more of like another philosophical question because he definitely earned that money last year. He was the best closer, the best reliever last year. So he he earned that money. But yet when it, I think overall, especially with like relievers, we're seeing teams like the 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 Rays last year. They have so many dudes. They have a stable of guys who can throw 98 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. And we're seeing there's a lot of young kids, you know, that are fireball throwers. You bring them in for an inning or two and, you know, tell them to fuck off and that's good enough. So, you know, I think right now in the the way baseball is being played, we're seeing a lot of pitchers that you can just kind of grab out of nowhere. And even with the White Sox, I was named Kopech, who just he got plucked from he gets drafted. He just gets planted right on the major league roster. So we're seeing, you know, relievers definitely or pitchers, really, you can definitely get a lot of them. And I think relievers might not be worth that much money. I definitely would want to put it more in a starter or a uh, everyday player. So he earned the money, but me personally, I don't think I would see the value in paying that position that much money. Okay. You know, that, that was just, that was just the question I had because I know a lot of the times when I hear these, like, Oh, I'm the highest paid in this, this and that it's like, you know, for me, I, I, I honestly, you know, I'm not going to take away his, his accolades, you know, you know, being that he was the best relief pitcher last season. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, you can have one bad inning and you're never seeing the fucking mound again. You know, it, it just – it depends on – it depends on a lot of different things. So, I mean, that's why it's sometimes a gamble, especially on relief pitchers. But, you know, I just, just wanted to ask your opinion on that. And I respect it. And I respect your opinion as well then moving on we have another relief pitcher getting signed archie bradley uh with the diamondbacks then gets traded to the reds now he signs with the phillies uh, i mean he's a he's a good relief pitcher obviously kind of that next tier down from liam hendricks but we saw the phillies last season just their bullpen which is absolutely god fucking awful and it's a start i mean they they sign a good relief pitcher this doesn't mean that all their problems are fixed, especially with JT Real Muto rumor to possibly resign. But I mean, that bullpen, then I mean, the kind of the whole pitching staff really needs a lot of work over there in Philly. Uh, I mean, I agree, but I, Philly, Philly's going to do Philly things. I mean, they have Harper and a lot of money is owned to him and they're kind of, you know, hurting. So I, I don't think, I don't think Philly's going to do much. And then the big news of the day, DJ LeMahieu has re-signed with the New York Yankees. Six years, $90 million. This was kind of a foregone conclusion. There was really no rumblings that he was going anywhere else. I think it kind of took a little bit longer than people expected. But DJ stays with the Yankees. Uh, maybe one of, if not the best second baseman in the league, especially hitting-wise. Uh, you know, average king. He can hit for power, and especially with Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton kind of always being on and off the roster, he's always that guy who's going to be there every single day and produce. And I mean, it's good for them to re-sign him, but he was there last year. They still couldn't get the job done. 
Well, but that that's the thing, though, and and it goes back to what I said. I think the Yankees for the past couple of seasons could have been the, you know, top team in the league, and if they're and but they just can't stay healthy. Now keeping LeMahieu, great for them, but you know it, it comes down to healthiness, and like you said, Staten and Judge are on and off. You know what? What else can what what else can you do to keep people healthy? So you just have to wait and see. I mean, I said JT Real Muto possibly going to the Phillies. I really would think that that catcher position is not like a hole per se, but with Gabby, uh, Gary Sanchez being just the defensive liability that he is, if they could swoop him up and sign Real Muto and put him behind the dish, that could be a really good spot for the Yankees, but we shall see. Now moving on to the NFL, we have a lot of coaching news to talk about. We have one firing and we have a few hires. Yes, Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles has been fired. We didn't exactly know what was going to happen. Kind of thought this was going to be the case, but yes, Doug Peterson is fired. We still got the QB carousel with Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. Dominic, did you think Doug Peterson was the problem? And do you think that just a simple head coaching switch can get the Eagles back on track? I don't think it's going to get them per se back on track, but it's definitely going to help. They need to figure out who is going to be the starting QB and they need to go with that person 100%. None of this, you know, fucking have a toe in the door, toe out the door kind of bullshit. They need to figure out who they're going to play at starting QB and go with it. And the fucking backup needs to be okay with that position. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a team sport. And, you know, if, if your team, if, if your job on the team is to be a fucking backup, fucking be the best backup you can be. Cause you never know when you're going to need it. So if, if they go with Jalen Carson needs to fucking suck up his pride, he's getting paid to fucking sit on the bench. If it's Jalen, he doesn't have many more years until he can be a free agent and go somewhere else. So just, you know, just head coach would help, but they need to just figure some things out at the, you know, player level too. I think Doug Peterson definitely has some blame on him with what happened with this season. But I think also you got to look at the GM of Howie Roseman. I mean, with, uh, I, I know the boys at Trapter Hill kind of talk about it all the time that if you're going to fire a head coach, probably should just fire the GM as well and just kind of start from scratch and, you know, get two, two new people in and kind of get them on the same page and kind of feel that they're meshing well. But if the GM is, I mean, the GM is going to be a part of that hiring process. And if they can find a coach that mends well with his uh, ideals, maybe you, you think you're going to, you're kind of just going to be spinning your wheels because he was here before he's making those coaching or those personnel decisions and drafting and everything like that. And I mean, we've seen, and Carson Wentz hasn't exactly panned out that much. You can equate it to the injuries. Jalen Rager, I mean, he's a fine uh, rookie wide receiver, but I would say maybe look at the GM and how Roseman should, should probably be gone as well, but I don't think that's going to be the case. It probably won't because, you know, he's, they can say that, well, you know, if it wasn't for me doing this and there were this, you know, we wouldn't win that world series, that world series. No, the Super Bowl. We're fun talking about football. Yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm pulling to you talking about the fucking uh, Philadelphia Phillies over. I mean the Eagles, um, but no, I, I definitely, I I can't I can't I, I can't agree more with you. I I think they should get rid of the GMs, but then there are certain t- 
situations where it's not really the GM, it is more the head coach. I mean, if you look at the fucking Lions, that's not the GM issue. That is a fucking coaching issue. So it, it, it's 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 up in the air with different teams, but definitely for a team like the Eagles, probably GM needs to go too. Now moving on to the Jacksonville Hagwires. They signed the big, sexy free agent coaching name. They get Urban Meyer, legendary college head coach, won a natty with the Gators, won a natty with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Never, ever coached in the NFL before, but yet he is going to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe he is super-duper high on uh, Trevor Lawrence. So once again, just kind of further cementing that Trevor Lawrence will be going to Jacksonville with the number one overall pick unproven in the NFL. We've seen so many big time uh, college quarter or college coaches go to the NFL and not exactly equate, but I mean, John Harbaugh, he was able, or Jim Harbaugh, which one is it? Which one's the uh... Jim was the Niners. John was, there we go. no, Jim, no. God damn it. Dominic. Jim was the Niners. John was the Ravens. Jim Harbaugh. Legend, I don't know if I'd say legendary college head coach, but he did his thing in Stanford, went to San Francisco, did his thing there. So, But Nick Saban, on the other hand, he was god-awful in, uh, in Miami, and then he's doing his thing over there in Alabama. Shout-out to uh, Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide winning another national championship that little little fun fact for you guys if you were recruited by nick saban in alabama and stayed all four years didn't leave didn't transfer go to the nfl anything like that you guarantee you were guaranteed to win a national championship within every four years nick saban won a national championship think about that dominic your thoughts on urban meyer going to jacksonville i don't know if uh if it's a good idea I mean, I, he like like we you just talked about, you know, one probably one of the greatest college coaches of all time. But I don't like the unproven track record in, in, in the NFL. I mean, not not to say that there's a lot of other uh, coaches out there that could take a head coaching job and then basically getting Trevor Lawrence and like can mold him into a superstar quarterback. But then again, it is the Jaguars. It's it's not a tall task to ask for. So. I mean, I, I'm 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 excited. I can't wait to see it, and hoping next season will be, uh, you know, Jaguars one of their better seasons of, as of late. Urban Meyer is all elite. There you go. I said it. The Jaguars have the number one overall pick, and the New York Jets have the number two overall pick, and they have landed their head coach Robert Sala, defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Now will be the head coach of the New York Football Jets. He probably should have been hired last year. He did not stay the next year, and I really like this hire. I think Robert Sala is one of those guys that should have had a head coaching job sooner, but now he's with the Jets. I mean, get Adam Gase the fuck out of there, and hopefully Sala, a defensive-minded guy, can really mold that Jets defense. I mean, it worked with Rex Ryan. I'm not, I'm not saying he will be as successful as Rex Ryan was with the Jets, but you know, get a defensive guy in there, really focus on one aspect of the uh, – you know the the game and then kind of let the offensive guys work with the offense. So I'm really excited for him. And he's also the first Muslim head coach in NFL history. So shout out to Salah on that. Dominic, your thoughts on the jets getting Robert Salah. I can't agree more. I think it's a great, great addition. 
I think it's great for him. Um, the Jets just terrible the last few seasons, and you know I, I'm not I'm not going to say they're going to come out and just fucking blow blow everyone out of the water, but I mean let's hope to God that they get a couple more wins this season. But I think it's a great a great pickup. He's a great defensive coordinator. If you give him the the weapons and the draft picks, he he can make your team a star. So it's a good pickup. I'm going to say start buying some Sam Darnold stock now. I think I have confidence in him if he moved to a different team or they get a new infrastructure. I'm, it's going to have to wait and see you know, what his, his coaching staff is going to be, who's going to be the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, all that kind of stuff. But I, I think Sam Darnold has the skill set to still be the top, you know, the guy for the New York Jets. Uh, I, I'm I'm not gonna ride that Sam Darnold train. So I mean, I'll, I'll just wait and see. It's one of those buy low things, you know. You, you you throw a couple dollars his way, and maybe you know you can turn that five dollar Bitcoin investment into like twenty grand. Just saying. Yeah, but I'd rather take my five dollar investment into somebody, you know, a little more proven. You know, it may take longer for me to get my uh, millions, but be worth it in the long run. There you go. Economics with Dominic. Then we have doctor of economics, doctor of economics, word life. We get a hire in Atlanta. The Titans offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith has signed with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I mean, the Titans offense was very productive. I mean, you got Derrick Henry, you're going to be good. And we saw kind of the turnaround that Ryan Tannehill had going from Miami. Once again, Adam Gase going to the Titans. Just, you know, really good turnaround there. He has weapons. Atlanta definitely has those uh, weapons on the offensive side of the ball. You know, similar to Robert Sala, Smith can kind of just focus and hone in on Atlanta's offense, you know, really make that the perfect, you know, make it the perfect offense. And then, send it off to the defensive guys to do the defensive work. I mean, uh, Dan Quinn supposed to be a defensive guy yet. That was like one of the worst defenses in the league. Now, you know, this offensive guy coming in, do you see Matt Ryan possibly being replaced? I mean, how do you feel about Matt Ryan in Atlanta? Matt Ryan. I mean, he's, he's fine but obviously he's not going to be there in 10 years. And with them having the fourth overall pick, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has gone one Justin Fields might go to the jets, but it's no foregone conclusion. I think if they can get Justin Fields at four, I'm, I'm still not exactly sold on him as a NFL quarterback. So maybe you go on the defensive front with that four pick and just kind of wait it out and see if you can kind of get someone later or next year and mold them. But uh, I mean, I like Matt Ryan now, but obviously I don't like Matt Ryan in two to five years, three to five years, I guess. Okay. You know, cause I, I feel like I'm not, I'm not putting a lot of the blame on Matt Ryan this year, but I mean, I definitely, you know, he needs weapons. He needs a different game plan and hopefully, you know, this new head coach can give it to him. Maybe they can get a running back for him. I know they got Todd Gurley, and Todd Gurley was okay early in the year, but he, he looked like uh, Todd Gurley from last year. But uh, we shall see about that. Now let's move on into week two or the divisional round of 
Dominic's playoff picks. Bump, bump. So after Dominic and I tied for the entirety of the regular season, we tied in the playoffs. Both of us went three and three last week. Now, uh, I picked, I got the Rams pick right. Dominic had the, what was the pick that you got right that I got wrong? Uh, Come on, Dominic. I, you gotta, gotta help I, me I, 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 Give me a second. I'll tell you right now because I was going to bring up my uh, my live shit right here. Let's see. Uh, we both picked Buffalo. I picked Seattle. You picked the Rams. Uh, let's see. We both picked oh, you, Tampa Bay. You, you picked – I hand-gifted you the Baltimore, Baltimore. pick yeah. because I had to go with Tennessee because they're my AFC hey. champion. So now I'm not tied. If you listen back, if you watch the tape, you asked me who I, who I would pick. And I said if I was, you know, if everything was equal, I would pick the Ravens. But because I picked the Titans and I'm a, you know, I'm hard-headed – I got to ride with my pick and I got to pick the Titans here, even though I have absolutely no confidence in that. And then we both picked the Steelers and the Browns beat their, beat their brains in, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit later. Okay. That that sounds about right. Okay. Hashtag analysis. Now let's jump on in, into those divisional round playoffs. The Los Angeles Rams take on the green Bay Packers in Lambeau field in Jared Goff will be the starter for the Green Bay Packers. Now you would think that'd be a good thing, but Jared Goff still dealing with that broken thumb. Uh, John Wolford just died on the field. Not exactly, but you know, got like a neck head injury. So he's not gonna be playing. Jared Goff still dealing with that broken thumb. Uh, it's Lambeau in January. It's gonna be cold. Maybe gonna be snowing. We shall see. Dominic, do you have any uh, confidence in the Rams offense being able to keep up with Green Bay in the snow. No. It is Green Bay motherfudging Packers, fudge packing, cheese packing, Swiss cheesing, gonna gonna be dropping fucking touchdowns at the touchdowns. So I'm going with the Packers. Now the Rams defense def- definitely did show up last week. And I think the Rams defense def- is going to have to show up again this week. I think if they get some turnovers, create some short field opportunities for the Rams offense. Uh, it's definitely going to put them in a, in a good position. I think that's really the only way they win this game, but I, I don't have confidence that they will be doing that with the week off Aaron Rodgers and the boys. I think they're going to light it up. And I do agree. I think green Bay will win this game. Now, Moving on to the Saturday night game, the Baltimore Ravens take on the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. And Baltimore beat Tennessee last week. And that was probably the game of the week. I would say they, they ran the ball. They you know got behind early, down by 10, but they're able to kind of not run away with it, but they definitely uh, hit their stride. And Buffalo, they are an offensive juggernaut right now. Their defense is fine. But just the way their offense is playing right now behind Josh Allen is uh, is scary. Now, Dominic, how do you see this game going? You know, I, I I'm torn because the Ravens, to me, are are right now playing at a good good level, can really go far. But I feel like I've been riding the Bills all season. You know, when we were playing fantasy, Diggs was my go-to. So I think I'm going to stick with my Bills to to take this one. It's going to be a great game, I think. So definitely watch, but I'm going to go with the Bills. Well, since Dominic is going with the Bills, 
I now I'm able because I'm free. I'm free as a bird. And I want to fly away. I guess. I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to go with Baltimore. I've been saying this. I really like the way they've been playing these last however long, two months. Their offense has really been clicking. They're able to run the ball. And Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, it's not very pretty. It's not like, you know, Josh Allen throwing it 60 times, but he doesn't have to do that. And he's able to hit uh, Hollywood. I mean, Marquise Brown definitely has shown up these last few weeks. I know I've kind of been shitting on him, but now I got to eat a little bit of crow because it seems like every, uh, these past few weeks, he's always kind of racking up a hundred yards and or a touchdown every single week. And I really do like that Baltimore defense. I know, I think they played earlier in the season and Buffalo ended up winning that game, but I think the Baltimore offense right now is on a different level and very similar to the Rams where I think the defense is going to want to stop Buffalo and create some turnovers, but I just have more confidence in the Baltimore offense than the Rams offense to kind of keep up and really chew that clock and run the ball down their throats. And the Buffalo defense, on the other hand, I, I they're fine, as I said, but I just don't have the confidence in them to stop the Ravens at the way they're doing it right now. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I, I feel Allen is, you know, I mean, I think Jackson's a better QB, but I think Buffalo just has a little more, of an arsenal if, to, 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 to say at least, because I feel like all Baltimore can do is run. Like you said, Lamar Jackson throwing isn't pretty, but Josh Allen can throw it. So, I mean, it, it's, it's up in the air. It's going to be a great game. It should be a great game. Now, this might be the sneaky game of the week. The Cleveland Browns traveled to Kansas city to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs chiefs, the number one seed. So they're also on a buy, but, Cleveland came out last week, little brother complex, and that absolutely stomped in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you, you blinked and you missed it. They got up, uh, I don't even know what the hell the, the was it like 21-0, something like that. They just never looked back. Uh, Cleveland, you know, people are still sleeping on them, maybe rightfully so, but uh, Sammy Watkins kind of talking that shit. Chase Claypool, after losing, still talking that shit. Uh, do you have, I think the, the line is at 10 right now. They're about for uh, for Cleveland. Any chance do you see Cleveland uh, getting the win or at least keeping it close? Part of me really wants to say Cleveland's going to win this game. I just like it's going to be a weird like game. I want to go with Cleveland, but do it. Pussy. it is... Cleveland's your team, baby. <sighs> you fucking asshole. I want to go with Cleveland so bad. Then do it. Fine, fuck it, I'll go to Cleveland. I don't give a shit. There we go. Dominic putting his balls on the goddamn table and saying, here it is. Cleveland Browns are going to win. Now, Dominic, why are the Cleveland Browns going to win this game? Because Baker Mayfield is going to just do Baker Mayfield things, and that's going to be just, I don't know, because I've never seen the Browns again. You've never, I'm pretty sure you've seen a Browns game, Dominic. Okay, I, okay, I saw last, the you know, the, the Pittsburgh game. You know, I don't really remember seeing anything. Nick Chubb, I don't know. Going with the Browns, I don't give a shit. And that is the hard-hitting analysis you come here on Curveballs and Share Shots to hear because, whew, I mean, unprecedented and, and, and analytics right there from Dominic Hobson. I will go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I do think the, the Browns will keep this a relatively uh, close game. Maybe the Browns can – or the – 
Chiefs get like a late touchdown to kind of take it over the top and they still cover. But I do. I think Kansas City is going to come out sloppy, and I, and because they you know they had like that two week layoff, maybe the Browns jump on them a, a tad bit early. But the the Chiefs are not the Steelers. They have a a well powered offense, and I think that they will be able to just get on a get on track and just keep it chugging and make it into the AFC championship game. Now the final game of the divisional round one last time, Tom Brady and Drew Brees. That's how everyone's kind of billing it because it seems as though Drew Brees is on his way out after this season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to the Superdome to take on the New Orleans Saints, a division matchup in the playoffs. The Saints won the first two games, Uh, the Saints, but this is kind of a different scenario. Saints won week one. Then that uh, Sunday night football matchup where they just blew him out. But that was also before Drew Brees broke all his ribs. So it's a different Drew Brees. The Buccaneers, you know, they they look good against the football team last week. So I think the Buccaneers are kind of on their way up. The Saints are kind of struggling, not struggling, but, you know, they're not exactly the Saints we come to know and love. They're not clicking on all cylinders with the offense. They're definitely riding high on their defense right now. I already know you're going with New Orleans. So, and I already feel like I'm going to lose this week with uh, me picking the Browns and picking the uh, um, Bills. So, I will go with my Uncle Tom Brady's Buccaneers for the win. It's just going to be a good old Western shootout between two fucking outlaws, but Brady's just going to be that much better this time around. And I guess, because I have to, I will go with the New Orleans Saints. But yet again, I do have some confidence that the Buccaneers could and probably will win this game. Now, we got three different picks. So, I mean, I guess there's a possibility that we could tie. But we, well, I guess not, because since we have three different picks, one of us is going to at least go two and one. Can't tie. So there you go. We will have a winner next week hashtag math now let's move on to the fan mail segment otherwise known as mr x is mr x's questions of the week okay um i think at this <clears throat> point in like episode whatever episode we're on like 170 or something i think people speak dominic yeah they know what <laughs> means um, so, uh, hey, hey, ho, ho, let's go. Have the Nets just acquired a headache in one James Harden? I think we talked about it earlier. I think it, for me, it just depends on, you know, if he gels well with the superstars of the team and if nobody has any ill will toward the way how he left Houston. But, I mean, we've kind of already went over that, right? Mm, I think James Harden won't be a headache. I think it's going to have a, a fun time over there. And I just got to get this one in real quick. We are on episode 169. Nice. Nice. Okay. Uh, let's see. On the next. With the video that the Bengals posted on the social media of Joe Burrow walking into their facility like nothing happened to his knee. A great sign. Not just Huda Nation, but Huda fans in general. Oh, Huda. Huda the fuck is who day nation that's the Cincinnati Bengals rally cry very similar to who dat not gonna, uh, not gonna that, dive that, into it 
that that's what I that's why I was like, what? come I on, Dominic, like, get me what? cultured. So I'm, I'm fucking, I'm a fucking swine. I don't know shit. Is this is good. Is this good news, Brandon? I would say it is good news. Still okay. being cautiously optimistic that he can start week one, but he definitely is on the right track. No infections, no setbacks as of this moment, but. You know, you got to get to the football activities. I think that's really where uh, the strain on the leg is going to come. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. And I didn't – did you know, apparently Mr. X is the owner of the Anaheim Ducks because he says, with my Anaheim Ducks off to an 0-1 start, are you guys feeling any excitement for the current NHL season, which is now underway? And he owns the Anaheim Ducks. Maybe he's just a big Mighty Ducks fan. <laughs> no, it says my, so he owns them. Well, maybe he does own it. Maybe he has like a stock in Disney or something. Does Disney still own the Ducks? I think they do. Eh, whatever. Um, am I excited? I mean, you know, if there's nothing on, I'll watch a Sharks game. But I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm more into the uh, minor league, you know, Barracudas. You know, go to their games. Amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah, when it comes to hockey, I'm not like you know too deep into it, but I'll, you know. I'll check a game out every now and then if, if there's nothing else on, but kind of when it's playoff time, that's definitely when I'll, uh, I'll lock it in. And the only unfortunate thing is with COVID, the atmosphere for hockey games are just, they're just different. You know, it's not the same, but <laughs> yeah, and that's really no. what I like the most about a uh, playoff hockey, is just the atmosphere. And we don't get that right now, which kind of sucks. Gotcha. 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 Okay. That is it for the sports On to the last three questions that are all wrestling related. Are you ready, Brandon? Stay ready, so don't got to get ready. Okay, what are your thoughts on the news that Moose is replacing Alex Shelley in the six-man main event for Hard to Kill because unavoidable circumstances? It's happening. Good for Moose, I guess. I mean, I haven't... I'll be honest, uh, I, I feel like I do this all the time. I'm like, you know, I'm going to start watching more Impact. Kenny Omega's on. They're doing the thing with the Good Brothers, and then I just, I just don't watch it. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. that's exactly the same reason why I don't watch it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's. Or AEW <laughs> or NXT or Raw. Shut the fuck up. Um, what kind of interest do you have in the women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic? Inches? Yeah, how many inches do you have? <laughs> well, I don't know, because apparently now we're doing inches because somebody had to say inches. You said inches. I did not. I said Interest. Anyways, I don't know if I'd say like I'm super duper excited for the Women's Dusty Cup. I know, you know, WWE is doing this where they have a men's thing and a women's thing. And I kind of wish that they either space it out or maybe have the men's in right now and then maybe have the women's kind of like in the summer or the fall because I feel like it does dilute it. And especially because it is on NXT, there's only two hours. I know they kind of put some stuff on. Uh, 205 Live and stuff like that to kind of, you know, take the lesser tag team matches out. But I, I kind of wish they, they you know, if if you put the women's one on its on its own in a couple months, I feel like there's more focus on the women's Dusty Cup. So I, I know what they're trying to do, you know, equality and, you know, they don't want to seem favoritism or anything like that. But there, there should be some good matches. It, for the, I mean, but this is kind of the thing with the women's tag team division in general. It's just kind of you put two singlers, single wrestlers together, and it's a tag team. And my matches should be fine, but if, for the I mean, right now it's not exactly getting me excited. I mean, I I agree. The 
the fact that they're putting together doesn't really, you know, I mean, it's not that I'm not interested. It's just, it's kind of like, you know, how you said, you know, you could have it in a couple months, you know, or hell, you can have the women's first and then do the men's. But, you know, it, I, it just, it's not something that I'm, how do you say? Like, cause like, I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on it, but it's kind of just like, it feels like it's forced. You know, they they need to space some things out. I mean, plus, you know, with everything going on in the world still and, and you know, people getting sick out of nowhere, you know, it'd be nice to be able to spread some stuff apart and, and get some more content out of it. So, you know, that's that's just my take on it. Uh, let's see. And last but not least, Brandon. Will Ricochet re-sign with WWE after reports that he hasn't signed a new contract yet with his current one soon to expire? Well, I guess there's two different avenues. Should he? And will he? Should he? Absolutely not. Because, I mean, I feel like Ricochet, even though he's not exactly the most charismatic promo person in the world, he's still one of the best wrestlers, and I feel that whether he's in New Japan or AEW or just the American or international indie scene, he could have been utilized a whole hell of a lot better than what he's been doing here in WWE. But will he? I feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, like Kevin Owens, he's kind of gotten to his groove. I don't know him personally. I don't know how he feels about the situation. I haven't heard any rumblings about him being, you know, super angry with this spot. I mean, Aleister Black, I... I didn't even realize this, but I saw that Aleister Black hasn't wrestled a match since October, which is just kind of mind-boggling to me. So I'm, I'm hoping Aleister Black is able to get out. I, I hope Ricochet will be able to get out, but I just feel like he's one of those guys that's just going to stick around for the money. And also, I mean, he's with Casey Catanzaro. She's a part of the NXT roster, so maybe kind of, quote-unquote, keep it in the family. You know, don't ruffle any feathers. That might be another aspect of things as well. Well, I mean, real quick on Aleister Black, I didn't even know that, and I know he was upset with everything that happened, but I I really hope he comes back and they actually utilize him before he sets to, to leave because I'm a huge Aleister Black fan. But if he wants to go to AEW and be Tommy End again, I'll be fine with that as well. But back to Ricochet, um, I agree. I, I I would love to see him be somewhere else because – He's, he's that amazing, that talented, that gifted. But, you know, if you got a good somewhere else and you, maybe you're not going to be world champion, but you'll, you know, be utilized to a certain extent and you get good money and you got your lady next year, why not? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let's go on to the Instagram because we do have a question. But first, we have some breaking news. We have the Yankees. We talked about them with Deja LeMahieu. They're making a move. They have signed Corey Kluber. Don't exactly know the full extent of the deal, but Corey Kluber has signed with the New York Yankees. Dominic, your just quick initial thoughts on this deal. It is mind-boggling, but it'll be just, fun. You're just saying that because I said that. Shut the fuck exactly. Up. Yeah, no. But no, I think it's fine. I mean, I want to know some more details, but, you know, but I think it'll be fine. I think it's a good move. I think, you know, getting some people behind uh, Garrett Cole – uh, Luis Severino, he should be coming back, should be good. And I mean, Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. And if, you know, Corey Kluber might not exactly be the, the stud he was in Cleveland, but I, I think him being a 3 4 guy, one of the best 3 4 guys in the league. Now, 
let's move on. Shout out to the two followers that we just got in the past 40 minutes. Definitely not bots. But we have a question from old Tygunty27. He asks, how come you, meaning me, Brandon, got online at 11.30 last night, saw I was online, and didn't send an invite? Well, Tygunty27, you're just assuming that I saw that you were online. Maybe I just kind of turned it on quick, put the game on, went to go grind on the Amaximus Jaximus for Warzone so we can be better. And also, you know, I thought it was past your bedtime. It's 1130. I know that's late. You got to go to bed. Everything like that. You know, it also, you know, it's a two-way street, Tyler. You could have sent me an invite. You could have texted me and said you wanted to play or something. And, you know, it's, it goes both ways. But anyways, I still can you guys it. stop we'll play fighting, later tonight. Okay. Can you guys just stop fighting, please? Hey, I'm just reading the questions on the Instagram. You know, we actually read our people's Instagram comments and our emails and stuff. We just don't forget about it. And then just like, Oh, I wonder if we have questions and then just haplessly read in the middle and then don't even answer all the questions. Oh, they get questions now. I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Damn. Anyways, now let's get on into the world of pro wrestling, which means Travis is left, even though he's probably, he left already after Mr. X's wrestling questions, but any hoots, let's go on to some COVID news. We haven't had some COVID news in a while. We have some positive tests to talk about, some big-name positive tests. The big one that happened this week, Drew McIntyre tested positive for COVID. He was supposed to be in a big match, or I guess, quote-unquote, big match with Randy Orton in the main event. He was not. Uh, they filled in with Triple H against Randy Orton, and we got a fireball. Uh, just any thoughts kind of overarching with Drew McIntyre getting it? Royal Rumble, you know, stipulation with him and uh, Goldberg. Yeah, so many different ways. I do. I will say, I did like his little COVID promo that he cut from home. It's probably a thing he should have done, but uh, yeah, good for him, I guess. I Not mean, for him getting COVID. It's kind of true, you know. I mean, you could blame, you know, Goldberg, you know, because McIntyre was fine. Since Gold- Goldberg came, McIntyre tested positive. So I bet you Goldberg is the one that gave it to him. That fucking old bastard. And Dominic saying Goldberg had the Rona and sending it over to Drew McIntyre. Hate to see it. Uh, then on the AEW front, we have Nick Jackson and Chris Jericho saying that they tested positive for COVID a few months ago. Jericho saying he had the virus in September, even though he was on every episode of uh, Dynamite and I think All Out was in September as well. I know they do kind of the one week live, one week taped situation. So there could have been a time where he was in isolation during a taping or whatever. But uh, I mean, Nick Jackson also saying that he had COVID. Dominic, your thoughts? Maybe I mean, maybe just not exactly them personally, but kind of just your thoughts right now on how the wrestling business is handling COVID, the protocols and kind of lack thereof of specifications and kind of information on how they're handling it. Especially now with like the, the you know winter boom that we're seeing. I, I did see a video of Ricochet throwing Katie like a surprise party with all their friends and stuff like that at a restaurant. And the caption was like, you know, they have all these policies and procedures in place, but it's up to the, the wrestlers to take it seriously. And it's not just, it's not just, it's not for you. It's for everyone around you. And I agree, you know, I, is WWE going to start finding people or, you know, getting people in trouble for not wearing their masks outside if they get caught or, 
if they're seen, you know, doing stuff like that, I think they should. But I don't know their policies. I don't know what they're taking, what they're going 100 percent um, serious with. So, but you know, seeing Katie Cazaro and and Ricochet maskless with a bunch of people around them, whatever, fucker. Um, whoa, 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 happy birthday, whoa. Casey. Hey, if she, not KT. If 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 she wants me to say happy birthday, she needs to be a fucking champion. I'm tired of her getting screwed over. So it's called tough love. But you know, it seeing them maskless with a bunch of people, it it's you inside. Know, inside. Yeah, that exactly too. So it's like, what how how am I supposed to feel? So they just need to start punishing them, I guess. And I just kind of wish that maybe they're more transparent, kind of like how we're seeing with all the different sports leagues. Uh, you know, you have the COVID protocol. And I'm not asking them to say, you know, to name names and say like, oh, this person tested positive or this person's cousin tested positive and they live with them and blah, blah, blah. Just give us like broad statements. Just give us like a monthly total. Just be like, you know, we tested or just give us what's going on, like how the testing protocol works, what's going on and everything like that. Just I kind of wish they gave us a little bit more information just to make us feel a little more comfortable. Exactly. I mean, I know we're we've been in this for like 10 months now. We're kind of, you know, it's, it's a new normal. We kind of know what's going on, but I just am asking for a little bit more information. Or transparency, I guess. How much more? Because, you know. That's going to be the question, and that's what people are going to take advantage of, is they're going to want to know exactly who, what, when, how, and really criticize people for it. So you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Maybe they'll start getting vaccines soon. Who knows, Dominic? Any thoughts on that? Let's uh, go on to the – come on, let's recap. I got dinner to eat. Come on. Oh, yeah, dinner to eat, Dominic. What's your dinner? Your ass if you don't hurry up, boy. I call me boy. A little triggered there. We got AEW Dynamite. They kicked off Dominic with not a tag team match, but a singles match. We had Pac defeating Eddie Kingston, a grudge match. Don't know if this is actually the end of the feud, but I thought it was a good match. Very different than what we've seen from Eddie Kingston in the past. You know, not really you know, a little bit of brawling, but Pac was able to kind of wrestle his style. And we saw a little more uh, athleticism in a match with Eddie Kingston than we normally see. I, I was thrilled, excited. I thought it was a decent match. Um, I The only thing that, and maybe you know because you pay attention to the product more than me, but, I mean, is it just what? is it just me, but is Pac kind of not really – I know he's just kind of just now starting to come back into a, a full-time position since the whole COVID stuff happened and everything. But, you know, are we going to see him actually get a title run anytime soon? Because I definitely think he'll be a great TNT champion. I mean – when he was cruiserweight champion, that was the best work he did in WWE. When he left WWE and he was the bastard and the Pac shit again, I mean, I think he was great. So do you see him being TNT champion or at least even just, a, if anything, a tag champion? I kind of see Pac is even higher than a TNT champion just because of the way they protected him. He hasn't really lost all that much. And they even brought up the fact that he's one of, I think, the only person to beat Kenny Omega in a singles match. So I think they can go back to that Pac. He's still the bastard, but he he's a he's a babyface right now. So I, I think he could go up against Kenny and be a pay-per-view challenger, whether that be a double or nothing or be like a you know a special dynamite taping. But I kind of see Pac being like, you know, a world challenger, a world title challenger, but not exactly the person to dethrone Kenny. 
This is when you talk, Dominic. He's not. Okay, he's just going to keep on muted. Well, I guess that's just his way of telling me, fuck you. Move on to the next topic. Well, Dominic, I guess I will move on to the next topic. Matt Hardy and Private Party had a promo. It was fine. Dominic, any thoughts? Yeah. There, I oh, thoughts. oh, you're actually <laughs> mute. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I got this mask on in my face. So I couldn't fucking unmute it. But uh, Private Party, Matt Hardy, is it going to be a Hardy party soon? Mm-hmm. Just, just saying. Mm. Uh, we get Miro defeating Chuck Taylor pretty quickly and decisively. So now Chuck Taylor will be Miro's young boy for, I believe, the next month. I, I, not, good to see Miro, I guess, win. And this is kind of what we've seen from him since he debuted in AW. In-ring-wise, serious. I like it. Outside the ring, kooky, corny, over the top. Don't like it. Now, when it when it comes to this whole servant kind of thing, are you in favor of it, or is it something that you can really give a shit about? It's something different. They haven't done it yet in AEW. I I don't think they're going to overstay their welcome. We've seen with Miro and uh, Kip Sabian and Penelope before, like they're they're on like every other Dynamite, and they're only on for like a few minutes. So, I think we're going to get some like some skits every now and then. They're not going to do anything too. I mean, they'll probably do some like zany stuff, but it's not going to be like too long and uh, too stupid, I guess. Then we get an inner circle New Year's resolution promo where basically they all talk about uh, what they want to do in the new year. And they all just talk about being a tag team. But then the actual tag team, Santana or two is like, yo, you know, we're an actual tag team. We haven't won the titles yet. So why you guys wanted to take our spot, blah, blah, blah. So they were going to have like a inner circle tag team six man or triangle match dominic you love this it's your two favorite things in aw it's gonna be and the tag teams it's gonna be the winners get the challenge for the titles i guess maybe but they're they're gonna be deemed the official tag team of the inner circle so i have the mascot who's attacking my hand right now this really hurts and he's making noises so i'm like why are you on the floor that hurts. So I'm just trying to stretch it out a little bit. Don't judge me, okay? My back hurts. Your back hurts. You've been carrying this podcast for 169 weeks, Dominic. Yeah, I know. And, you know, it's just getting to me, man. I'm, my mental psyche, I'm about to go to, I'm about to pull a, you know, who's that guy? I don't know. I'm about to pull a guy, Pierre, and just go cook. We get a Dark Order backstage segment. They kind of, you know, uh, talk about the elephant in the room with Brody Lee's passing and what's next for the Dark Order. And they have a match with Hangman Page next week. And they ask Hangman if he's going to join. And he says, next week I'll tell you. So setting up a match and some sort of thing. Do you think Hangman will join Dark Order? And what? I know we talked about it a little bit, but what's your thoughts on maybe replacing Brody Lee or kind of having a, a central figure in the Dark Order? That's what I was going to ask was, do you, do you think they would try to make Hangman the, you know, the face of it to maybe save the, the group or, you know, see if there's any way to really maybe legitimize that group or is it just storylines? I don't think Hangman's going to join the Dark Order. I think you kind of go back to their roots and with Evil Uno and Stu Grayson kind of being the leaders, 
but not exactly like them being the top face and, you know, berating everybody and kind of doing what Brody Lee did. I think you just don't have a person fill in Brody Lee's spot. And the Dark Order, they're a mid to low card act at this point. But I mean, Colt, I don't know what they're doing with Colt. Maybe he'll be he'll be something one day. But uh, I just think you, you keep the Dark Order exactly like kind of where they are. They're, you know, they kind of do their kooky, funny stuff on being the elite and sometimes it leaks on a dynamite, but I don't think you make Hangman the new Brody Lee. I like your analysis. That's why I like just listening to you. Just, just saying. Oh, and because when I talk more, that means you don't have to talk. Exactly. Exactly. We have was supposed to be, well, I guess we did get the elite take on Danny Limelight and the Varsity Blondes, but it wasn't Kenny and the Young Bucks. It was Kenny and the Good Brothers. So we get the Good Brothers AEW debut in ring. And the Young Bucks continue to kind of be flippy floppy. We don't know exactly how we're supposed to feel about them, I guess, because they turned heel last week, I guess. But then their friend said they didn't want them anymore, even though the friend's a bad guy. So it's kind of the Seth Rollins route. Do you agree? Of the authority not wanting the quote-unquote babyface and the babyface like, oh, you don't want me, so fans, will you guys like me? Because no one else does. I mean, do I agree is what you're asking? Or, or do asking, we, maybe do we see like the Young Bucks and Hangman kind of reunited and feel so good and we get a six man down the line sometime? Yeah, but I, uh, see, I'm, I'm torn because th- this is this is when they, you know, came up with the concept of AW and all these owners and this and that, this and that. It's like, you know... It, do I want to see them? You know, I, I feel like the Bucks are better face. I think the crowd enjoys them better. I understand the heel persona is kind of what got them um, in New Japan, Bull Club, blah, blah, blah. So I, I don't, I'm, I'm going to stay neutral. I don't really care what I see, but I do need, you know, I, I do need them to kind of stay on one side of the fence. So whatever they choose, I'm for it. I don't care. But whatever side you choose, stay on it and run with that for a while before you split flip back. That's all I want. Yeah, the Young Bucks, I mean, ever since they st- when AEW started, they've been kind of flipping, flopping back and forth, and they haven't exactly had like a linear story that we can really follow and how they're going. But uh, we shall see. I mean, John Moxley came out after the match. I uh, continue with the brawl. The Young Bucks kind of make the save. They're kind of on Moxley's side, not really the Lucha Bros super kick him, so possibly setting up a feud for the tag titles there. Uh, maybe Mox and the Lucha Bros, the Young Bucks against the Elite. We shall see. But also, shout out Danny Limelight. Never seen him wrestle before, but I was quite impressed with the uh, stuff I saw. Then we had the waiting room with Britt Baker and Reba. Normally, this is on AEW Dark. It made its way to Dynamite. Cody Rhodes was the guest. He didn't say a single word. This was mainly just a way to get Jade Cargill uh, to talk to him and blah, blah, blah. So they kind of did like a bunch of different things in this one segment. Uh, Push the thing with Jade. Thunder Rosa got on the big screen and cut a promo on Britt Baker. Uh, Thunder Rosa is in the COVID protocol, so she couldn't be there personally. But they kind of told like three different stories in this one segment. Uh, do you- is it just me or does it seem like it's a little too much? I do agree. I felt like there was they had too much stuff going on if you just kind of take out one of the things. If you uh 
what's her name? Red Velvet. I think if you kind of just have her not be there. And so we don't have like the pull apart brawl, just have Jade come out, say the thing about Brandy and Shaq and slap Cody and just walk off. And that's fine. I think that would have been perfectly fine. And maybe Britt Baker tries to, you know, get things back on track, try to talk to Cody, but then Thunder Rosa interrupts her. I think yeah, it still might be a little too convoluted, but I think just adding, you know, taking away one of those things would have made it a little bit better. And and, that, and that's the thing is my opinion with the women's division trying to, I would say, trying to keep up with NXTs. It's they're trying, they're going now. They, they weren't really doing much. Now they got something kind of being a little more interesting and whatnot, but they're going a little too hard on it. So I think they need to let off the gas a little bit and just kind of slow it down, but keep going with the same storyline. But I think they would have been fine. Like you said, if they would took one or two of the things out. Then we get FTR defeating the Jurassic Express, I guess the B team, or maybe even the C team, I guess, with uh, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Uh, FTR gets the win, I think, as they should. I think it's kind of one of those things with FTR and AEW with their sports like, uh, you know, pre- presentation of the product is like FTR, they keep getting these wins, but I feel as though they're not really on track to be on the tag team division or be in the tag team title hunt right now. So, like, what do you do with them? You just kind of have, like, these little mini feuds until you're ready to have them face against the Bucks or whoever the, the title holders are? Yes, because we all know that's what we want, is to see them have mini feuds that culminate to them losing to the Young Bucks. No, I want to see them go on these long, obnoxious storylines that culminates at them actually winning something. Okay, Brandon? Shit. Yeah. Uh, we get Serena Deeb defeating Ty Conti at NWA Women's Title. Uh, the match was short and sweet. It was all right. I feel as though we should get more time devoted to the AEW Women's Title than the NWA Women's Title. That's just me. It's because NWA has better talent. Well, last time I checked, I'm watching an AEW show, not a NWA show. That's true, but you know when AEW can't afford to bring over. <laughs> Some talented stars. Maybe you got to do what you got to do to get some views. Maybe. Maybe. Then in the main event, we had Darby Allen take on Brian Cage for the TNT Championship. And Darby Allen gets the win. Sting actually made the save. He got physically involved, kind of, if you want to call that being physical. He just kind of swung the bat, hit uh, Ricky Starks. Darby Allen gets the win, getting the crucifix pin. Majority of the match was just Cage just absolutely beating the shit. Out of Darby Allen, Darby Allen kicks out of one multiple times, and Darby gets the win. I think this match would have worked a whole hell of a lot better if they had fans. Now, I'm not saying like a full arena, just any types of fans. Because I feel as though in this taping, there was no fans whatsoever, like in the arena or in the amphitheater. And with that kind of match, you want fans to really rally behind the babyface. And they have the wrestlers at ringside, but I felt if you can get whatever the one to 2000 people they have there behind Darby could have made the match feel a little bit like bigger and better when it culminated at the end. I mean, they can't just, you know, put the sound effects in of like fans cheering and stuff like that. Or do you think that would, that would take away from it as well? I mean, you can sweeten it a little bit, but I don't think you want to go like greatest wrestling match ever to where you're piping in the this is awesome chance and you're making it seem like we're at WrestleMania with 70,000 people when clearly there's like 500 people at ringside, if that. Well, yeah, no, I'm just saying because I know that would be the only way to really make it feel like it's better. <laughs> but I guess 
being having a live fan base is better than fake fan base. So exactly. Now let's move on to NXT. Nothing too big really happened on the show, so we just kind of run through it quickly. Uh, my girl Candice defeated Dominic's girl Shotzi. Candice gets the Ooh. win. I know, I'm sorry, but uh, we get another distraction finish. We get Indy Hartwell, uh, Indy Wrestling. There you go. Gets uh, gets involved. So Candice gets the win. Uh, we kind of see this a lot with WWE and NXT in particular. We get, you know, decent action, shitty finish, and Shotzi cuts a promo afterwards, and she was like, oh, you know, it sucks, but I'm looking towards the Dusty Cup. Are we finally, like, getting the... I, I want this you to kind of end, because we've been doing this for too long. I feel like we see a Kane Shotzi match at least once every two weeks. I mean, it's a good match. I mean, yeah, Shotzi's always using a losing end because, you know, of the shitty finishes, but I mean, it's a good match most of the time. But, you know, I'm waiting to see what happens with Shotzi. Hoping. God, right now. Are you going to finish that? Hoping. Sentence? I'm hoping. See, someone's making noise. God damn it. Hoping Shotzi gets called up soon. Now Don was going to get his ass beat because he yelled at the studio audience when he's already in the doghouse. We get Finn. Finn cuts a promo just kind of recapping his match with Kyle O'Reilly. And Pete Dunne ends up showing up, kind of talking about how Kyle's always in his way. And now that he's not there anymore, he wants the title shot. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense since Pete Dunne lost a number of contender match. So now why does he just step to the front of the line and get the next man up? But, uh, uh, seemingly Pete Dunn is the next contender, but also we had a little vignette with Scarlett speaking Latin or in some sort of tongues and uh, kind of calling out Finn. So uh, we get not Damien Priest, uh, Karrion Cross, kind of on the outside, possibly. Eventually, I feel like we're going to get to that feud with Finn Balor, but I think right now we're going to get Pete Dunn and Finn Balor, which I'm all for because it should be a fantastic match. I'm all for I'm all for it too. Um, the only thing I would like to see maybe instead, or I mean, you can have Finn and Dunn have Finn go over, and then maybe Dunn can come out and be like, you know what, I want to rematch, and then that's when Karrion Cross and him gonna maybe have a small little feud, and then you have Karrion go over and Dunn, and then Dunn and Finn. I mean, uh, Karen Finn and Karen reclaims his title. Bless you. Hopefully Dominic remembers Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day is the day, the next takeover for NXT. Dominic, once the studio audience is done blowing her nose, who do you think Finn will take on for the NXT title? Will it be Karrion Cross or will it be Pete Dunne? If Finn even makes it there that long. I say it's going to be Karrion Cross. That, that, uh, yeah, I'm going Karrion Cross. We got a few Dusty Cup matches. The first one, the Grizzled Young Vets defeat Everrise. Decent match. Grizzled Young Vets obviously should have won this match, and they did. Not, I mean, nothing really too much to take away from this. Then we get Johnny Gargano defeating Dexter Loomis. They kind of had a little storyline where Loomis, being the character he is, drew a little caricature of Johnny Gargano, and that got him angry. Gargano gets the win, as he should have, and uh, Loomis... I think he hit, or no, I, I don't think he hit, uh, what's his face? Austin Theory in the balls, but he like choked him out and, you know, quote unquote, got his heat back. But Gargano gets the win. Kushida also gets involved after the fact. So they're definitely setting up Kushida versus Gargano for the North American title. Which Kushida should be the victor, right? I don't know if he should be the victor. I'm finally 
I've waited for so long, and finally Kushida's having a, a meaningful non-cruiserweight uh, feud right now with Johnny Gargano. But they have put a lot of time into the way. I know Gargano, you know, he's kind of the, the butt of all the jokes, but I feel like you, you want to keep him strong for a little bit longer. You're not just going to have him win the title, ha- put a lot of time in the way, and then just have him lose it as second or third title defense. But we shall see. Then we get MSK. They debut in NXT. They were the Rascals back in uh, Impact. They debut and they defeat Jake Atlas and Isaiah Swerve Scott. Kind of an odd pairing because they were just kind of feuding a few weeks ago, but uh, that's not really the point because MSK makes their NXT debut. I haven't seen really too much of any of the Rascals, but I've heard a lot of good things, and I was very impressed, and I thought it was a, a really good match with you know four really good workers. So I'm excited to see what MSK can do in this tag team division, which definitely needs new talent. I mean, I'm a, I hundred percent agree with you. The only thing I'm afraid of is what they will do with them in the future. Cause there's only so much, I mean, I kind of point at the new day, you know, they were kind of cool when they came in and now that, I mean, before they broken up, it was kind of like the same old shtick every time it was kind of just, you know, kind of the same thing, but repackaged. So hopefully, uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully they don't screw them, screw them up. Well, if you're telling me that MSK is going to get called up, be a top tag team for six years, hold multiple tag team titles, you know, be a focal point of a WrestleMania, and possibly one of them wins an actual world title, I think MSK would take that, Dominic. Whatever. What do you know? You don't know nothing. I don't know. I don't know nothing. Uh, Zai Lee, once again, week two comes out and has an even quicker squash than we than what she had the week before. Uh, still, you know, we haven't seen her really have a full-fledged match with this new character. Still not exactly, uh, ex- I mean, not excited, but still have questions of what she can do in a match and being a heel, being so undersized. I mean, it works with Io. And that's pretty much it. I mean, luckily, like a lot of their women are kind of undersized and with Rhea possibly going to the main roster, I think that's kind of the only like question mark I would have if Zaya took on Rhea it would just be kind of a little unbelievable. But uh, I do like the presentation. It is kind of cool. Okay. Okay. Then in the main event, Dominic, we are almost done. The Undisputed Era take on Brizongo in the Dusty Cup and Undisputed Era get the win. Pete Dunne and Lorcan and Birch make a run in. They beat up on Kyla Rowley. Finn Finn makes the save and Finn Finn still gets beat up. But in the end, Undisputed Era gets the win. Uh, they kick Kyla Rowley in the mouth. So he's really selling the jaw injury. Uh, you know, good match by four veterans. And they're still pushing the, uh, the feud between UE and McAfee's boys, even though McAfee is nowhere to be seen or maybe not even with the company anymore. I thought it was a great match. I really enjoyed that ending where uh, Cole super kicked the fuck out of Fandango. And, you know, just it was amazing. Um, you know, I, I part of me always wanted Finn to join up with Undisputed Era just because I think it would be a kind of a cool little faction. So, I mean, there's always a possibility. You know, we, we keep talking about, you know, what happens with Undisputed Era. Maybe Finn kicks somebody out and he takes over and, you know, that person goes to the main roster. I don't know. 
we don't know. We shall see. So that'll be it for us for today. A little shorter episode, but we had some good topics, some good things to talk about, covered a lot of different things. We're heading down the road to Royal Rumble. Maybe we're going to get some predictions out of the way, even though we already did some predictions. So we're going to get our final predictions out there down the line. Maybe one of these days. I don't know. I'm stalling. I'm probably getting Dominic and Mary a little bit angry. Kayfabe studio audience. I'm sorry. Now, if they want to reach us via the email to ask a question, Dominic, how would they do that? Well, Brandon, they have to have a smartphone and or computer that has email email capabilities and they need to email us at curveballs and ter- at no goddamn it curveball and cs at gmail.com. Correct. And if you want to reach us on the socials, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter and Instagram, simply curveballs and cs. Type in curveballs and share shots on Facebook and YouTube. Also on the TikTok curveballs and cs. Haven't put out a video on Dominic getting his crown. Kind of want to, probably should. It's gonna pop off, you know. We're gonna get dude. Like it's it's not, four, it's not even that million. hard. All you gotta do is snap the fucking last like fifteen seconds of when I win, and we all just start fucking screaming. That's all you need to do. But I want to put in some like I want to put in some production. I want to put some music, maybe some you know graphics. Some I'm trying to make this fancy. I'm trying to make this blow up. We're gonna get like four million plays. We're gonna get like two million likes. We're gonna get. I don't know, 500,000 shares or something, comments. I don't know exactly how TikTok works, but... Does that, does that mean we get money? No, but we get clout. Oh, that's even better than money. Exactly. So thank you all very much for tuning in for Dominic, the studio audience, the mascot, big dog, little dog, everyone in between to Mr. X and Ty Gundy 27 Sorry, I didn't send you an invite, but maybe we'll send you an invite tonight. Maybe we get drunk and play Fall Guys or Fortnite and Warzone. And Getting drunk and playing Warzone or Fall Guys may or may not be on the agenda. We will find out, but stay tuned for Brandon, for AJ, for Finn Finn, and everyone else in, in the Tanguma household. This is Kerbalton Chairshots. Beautiful, Dominic. I couldn't have said it better myself. Goodbye and good night. Uh, bye bye.